Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bookwolves podcast. My name is Cam from the YouTube channel Wolfshop Publishing and uh, today we're talking about self-publishing and we'll be going through, I guess, the pros, the cons, kind of everything in between, um, which should be pretty fun. But most exciting of all is that I finally kept my promise and I've got a guest on here today and that is Ben Sanders from the appropriately titled YouTube slash BookTube channel, Ben Sanders. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. No, it's awesome. Um, congratulations to you on being the first ever person that's actually agreed to come <laughs> on here. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so Ben, as you may or may not know, is a self-published author like myself. He's got a book, Demon in the Trees, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is your debut novel. Is that right, Ben? That is correct. It's going to be the first of the entire series. So hopefully I can get everything put together for it relatively soon. <laughs> that's awesome. Do you know how many books you're going to have in it? Um, right now it's scheduled for seven, although it really can turn into either anywhere between five and eight. That's a lot of books. Have you got it like all planned out already? Uh, the large overarching stories, yes, but the itty bitty teeny tiny nitty gritty details, not so much. That's really impressive, man. Um, it's been hard enough for me to plan out four books because I only plan on having like four in the main story of mine. So, and I've struggled with that. So eight is massive. Um, and your books, I guess, just for everyone listening as well, I'll say, um, well, to me personally, I felt, I guess it was a, a thriller mystery. I feel like the mystery was a large part of at least this first book. Is that what you would classify the genre as, I guess? Absolutely. Um, I do think that I could have done a little bit better on the actual mystery aspect of it. So I think it is thriller than mystery, but mm -hmm. it does leave a little bit of a question in the back of everyone's head throughout the book. And then of course there is a big question at the very end as to whether or not things will be moving forward in which direction. And so from there with the subsequent books, there will be a bit of a all encompassing mystery for each book, but a continuing storyline that will connect all of the volumes. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I'm yet to do my official review for uh, The Demon in the Trees, but the mystery part of it was a lot of the fun for me reading the book. It was uh, kind of seeing the clues as you go and making up your own ideas of what happened and how is really interesting to me. Um, and another thing I noticed as well that I thought was really cool is that you see the room for the character to really develop because in the first book, um, Michael's he's just been promoted and I, I guess how do I explain this it feels like the origin story to most of the brooding detectives that you read about growing up that's kind of how I saw Bobby Michaels a little bit he does have the uh, a little bit of naivety to him and he's always trying to help everyone without really realizing he needs to help himself too so uh, he can definitely have, he has a lot of room to grow and has the potential to become the uh, just sully brooding detective eventually. <laughs> I love that. I really do love that. Cause I was saying in one of my um, cliche videos that um, as much as I love the brooding detective, it's like one of my favorite uh, character types. It has become a cliche uh, kind of at this point, but you never really get the origin story. It's just uh, the book starts with the detective and you find out that their partner has died or this has happened or that has happened. And now they're, you know, an alcoholic, um, don't play by the rules. I don't need a partner kind of person. And it's just cool to get kind of an origin story for once. Yeah, it definitely is something that I've looked at. And um, 
I kind of, oh, sounds like some of my neighbors are uh, having a crying child. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Um, the whole background for some of the other background characters actually do kind of hint towards that. Um, someone that Michaels looks to once or twice does start to actually hint to the brooding, I don't really need anyone, but I'm just going to stay here and do my job as best I can kind of individual. Yeah, well, um, I can honestly say I loved it. I will have an official review up uh, soon enough. But yeah, Demon in the Trees, I will obviously link below as well as uh, Ben's YouTube channel. So it'll be pretty easy to find him, um, whether you're listening you know, on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, the podcast app, wherever. But either way, um, getting into the discussion itself, which is self-publishing. Um, Quite the adventure. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, the first question I, I guess I think we could both discuss is what did you think was the hardest part of self-publishing? Um, I was just overwhelmed with how much information is really out there on the different ways that you could self-publish. So really doing all of my research and finding the way that best suited myself and the project was something that I spent a lot of time on because it just there was too much to really try and all encompass. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you ended up going with Create Space as well, didn't you? I did, uh, mainly yeah. because they made it insanely simple and a whole mess load of other reasons. Yeah, and especially um, being that Amazon is the main platform for self-published uh, authors to sell their stuff, it seemed like a no-brainer to use Amazon's self-publishing uh, you know, tool. And I found it really good as well. Um, as far as hardest part of self-publishing, honestly think it was the formatting i remember being so frustrated especially when i was doing the kindle version and i found out that they aren't meant to have page numbers for some reason taking out the page numbers and getting that all sorted was a real pain in the ass for me but um yeah formatting was an absolute pain did you have any trouble with formatting um the paperback edition no because i was fortunate enough that um this was before my old computer died so i was able to flip through everything real quick and take a look at the uh, previews that they allowed you and make sure that everything, like all the hyperlinks worked in the Kindle version, that everything was working as it intended. And then uh, if something was off, I was able to go back real quick and make a, a, a change to it. Mm-hmm. I think I spent maybe 45 minutes total, and that's including waiting for the previews and all that to load. She was <laughs> But that's also because I was told ahead of time that formatting is quite the beast to tackle. So I think I just went in knowing that this could be difficult and was prepared to handle the situation. So um, I guess because I wasn't trying to just willy nilly go about it, I was more mentally prepared to actually solve a real problem, not just expect it to work on the first try. And to be fair, um, you're quite computer savvy, aren't you? I understand you had a job in um, you know the technical side of things. I did. Um, I was in the U.S. Navy for four years as an IT, and I even now go to school for computer science. Uh, I guess you can say a vast majority of my income does come from all kinds of computer aspects. And then, of course, with uh, YouTube and the kind of almost software aptitude you need to have for it, it just keeps you moving forward with understanding different ways to get things done. And so YouTube itself was also a fantastic resource on how do I do thing X in Microsoft Word? <laughs> yeah, no, I actually completely get that. Um, when I started YouTube, I I mean, I had some kind of knowledge with computers because my last uh, job was an intern and it, 
at a media company uh, doing video editing and that sort of thing. But I've noticed with YouTube, it, you actually end up doing a lot more stuff that you wouldn't really think you would for something as simple as filming a video and putting it online, um, especially if you want to you know, get some flashy editing and that kind of stuff in there. It's a real learning also, experience. Flashy um, editing but yeah. is quite but it's, it's always yeah. worth it. It's, I, I definitely know what you mean, um, that it's so much more involved than some might actually originally expect. Yeah, exactly. It's, I think it's a big surprise for people who want to, I mean, some people are perfectly happy just um, like, you know, Steve Donahue for one, just filming a video straight off the laptop or phone and just shooting it up, not, no editing whatsoever, which is uh, great. Some people pull it off. Um, but yeah, if you want to, I suppose, I, I don't know how to really talk about it without making it sound like it's a necessity, but um, if you want to <clears throat> have some fancy editing or something, it's it's just yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how we got over to this side of the conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> moral of the story, I, I guess editing an ebook or formatting an ebook was probably a walk in the park for you if you've done uh, computer science that sort of thing. What would you say was the easiest part of self-publishing as a whole? Um, once I had all the information in front of me, making the decision on KDP and CreateSpace as it is. Um, was probably the easiest part for me, mainly because I knew that with this particular story, it was something that in the first book, no, no real feathers were ruffled, nothing really in particular uh, would agitate anyone. But with plans down the road, if I were to go through traditional publishing or just through a company that would have otherwise published it for me, um, they would have wanted to make changes. So seeing that CreateSpace allowed me to keep the creative rights as well as everything else, just let me know that for the Robert Michael series, the correct place to do it. If that yeah, makes no, sense. I agree. I agree as well. Um, probably sounds like we're doing a bloody ad for CreateSpace, but <laughs> I, I agree. Like the easiest part um, for me anyway was just uh, the process kind of as a whole through create space, just the fact it's put into what is like, um, you know, eight steps or something. And you quite literally just upload everything you have. And not only that, but it tells you, um, you know, if something you've uploaded might look bad or isn't done in the right uh, format or something like that, create space, uh, make sure you're notified of that. Yeah. Just you make get the whole thing back. super easy. Yeah, it makes it makes it a lot easier to really understand why they're kicking things back too. Because it's not just hey something's wrong. It's hey this is wrong and here's how to fix it. Yeah, exactly right. Um, like if you've got a an image in your book, it'll tell you if the resolution isn't uh, well enough to be printed out and not look pixelated. That sort of thing, just fantastic. But yeah, probably I already said this, but I feel like it's going to seem like we're getting <laughs> you know handed stuff by. Amazon or create space, but obviously not the case. Although that Absolutely would be true. nice. Amazon, where's our money? <laughs> right <what> the hell. <laughs> Was there anything else with self-publishing that you thought, um, well, I'll put it like this. Is there anything else that you were surprised at how easy it was to actually do? Uh, I was very surprised at how quickly it became available. I went to mm. bed on January 4th. No, I'm sorry, February 4th. Uh, after at like 1153 
had just finished clicking submit and they're like, okay, yeah, no, we'll uh, send you an email when it's all actually on the store. I wake up at like noon the next day and find an email from four in the morning. Oh yeah, no, congratulations. Your book's on Amazon. And I was like, wait, it took all of four hours. This is yeah. absurd. No, exact same thing for me. It's just, um, it was insane. Like I submitted it and I don't know why, but until you actually, actually see your book up on Amazon, there's always that part of you that just doesn't believe it's actually happening. And, um, right. It, and, uh, yeah, exactly. And, um, the book went up in like, uh, probably the same amount of time as you said, like four hours or so. And I, I'm sure you can agree in uh, this sentiment, but seeing your book on a place where people are selling their books and to see your name there and to be officially able to say that you're a published author, although some people are kind of, uh, you know, picky about saying that if you're self-published, I still consider it a published author, but it's just a surreal feeling, wouldn't you say, just seeing your book up there and for sale? Oh, 10 million percent. Um, I remember a little while back, you actually did a video talking about um, the architects of the gifted and the entire series and how you went through Amazon's um, like for five days out of 90 days, you can do the book for free. And it was actually mm -hmm. able to hit uh, number one on the action adventures plot or I'm sorry, a bestseller list. And I had recently done the same thing for Demon in the Trees and it hit like number 34. And I was just blown away. Holy shit, how does this happen? It was absolutely incredible. So yeah. when you see the way that people are reacting to this, to um, the story, the pe that people are, <laughs> excuse me, genuinely interested in just people sending you a quick message. Oh my God, this is amazing. Like the it whole, yeah. this can work kind of mentality definitely kicked in, but the just pure joy that it's there, that I was actually able to get it done was completely overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm completely with you there. Um, I don't know. It's hard to describe uh, the feeling when I saw that the book was up and I was watching it, you know, climb and climb. And I should be specific in saying that the section that it became a number one in, was a, quite a specific section it was the free category and then it was action and adventure and this was just on .com.au i mean which sells all the same books but obviously it's only taking into account i think downloads within australia but um i don't know in in any capacity it's still kind of surreal and um insane to see your book climb up to the point of being a number one especially a number one for i think it was like two or three days it's just I don't know. I had so much momentum after that. I ended up finishing the second book in, I think it was four months after that. And fantastic. And here we are now, um, a year and a half later, and I haven't finished the third one. <laughs> That's right. I'm hitting the um, the one year mark uh, next month, where Robert Michaels has been published for a year, and I still haven't finished the second book. <laughs> yeah. It's just God, it's a pain. I, I plan to have the third one finished back in April of 2017. So I even made a video. I was like, this is when my book's going to be out. This is the release date. And that just, yeah, the floor fell out on that one. Um, but I know I don't feel as pressured as I used to to pump them out quickly. I think it's because I am so preoccupied now with the YouTube channel that if I'm not writing, at least I know I'm doing something creative uh, that kind of satisfies me. Absolutely. Like, um, I noticed that, um, I had posted 
minimal videos. I think I had posted maybe one video over the course of um, three weeks at one point, but I also hadn't uh, done any writing. I hadn't done any reading and I was just in this real slump of creativity. So I had to force myself to sit down, uh, do some writing, film some videos, get some editing done. But when you get things done on just make a list like, hey, I'm going to get three things done today and you get that list done. It, hey, I just finished lunch. So let's see what else I can do. And just building that momentum is really important. But um, yeah, seeing the products like your videos or uh, that word count getting there and things like that, it's just it's one of the most motivating parts of the process, in my personal opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Completely agree. And especially when you see um, a big thing for me as a self-published author is reviews. And it's that's not me saying, you know, I, I hope every review is positive. I think getting the odd, uh, not so much negative, but at least a mutual review is actually good for a self-published author's self-confidence because then it feels like it's not just people doing you a charity or doing you a pity review or anything like that. It, it's good to get s- some um, criticism sometimes because it feels like, uh, someone cared enough to, well, was interested enough, I should say, to pick up your book without any kind of bias before going in, um, which is yeah, just fantastic. Like, um, personally, I think one of my favorite reviews I've ever seen is actually, I think it's on the Amazon website. It was a three-star review and they just go into some detail like, hey, this was done well, this was a little bit clear cliche but this thing here was a real good reason for me to continue reading and i was just like they actually sat there enjoyed the book down why they enjoyed it and where they think it could have improved like that was the highest compliment i ever could have asked for and it just blew me away oh yeah um that actually brings up a uh, kind of awesome thing that happened to me just the other day actually i got an email uh, to my like youtube email account from, uh, I won't say their name because I don't know if they want me to say their name, but they sent me an email and I don't know how to put it. I guess you could say it was a fan email. They, they were talking, they just wanted to email me just to say how much they loved the book and the characters. And you could tell they were genuinely interested about what was going to happen next. And she asked me if she could, um, throw some theories at me, but she didn't want spoilers. She just wanted to know if, you know, she was close or warm or whatever, but getting an email from someone that you can tell a stranger as well from someone uh, that is just kind of fangirling a bit of your work. That's, I know that's one of the pinnacles of um, publishing in any way. So published or traditional, I imagine. That's fantastic. That's a great story. Damn. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guarantee it's going to happen at some point for you too. I feel like, especially with doing YouTube, um, you build a certain platform and eventually someone's going to read it. They're just, especially your book, man. I can honestly say the character development in Demon in the Trees is top notch. Like that's one of the biggest pros I've got for your book at the moment. And I mean, obviously there's some cons in there too, but for the most part, it was a really good book and the character development specifically for the main character, which is something I, I feel is kind of rare nowadays. Usually it's the side characters. Everyone likes the most, but I can honestly say that Bobby Michaels is my favorite character in the character in the book because you see a definite arc. You see where he is at the uh, start and where he's working towards uh, the end, and you see development there. And, you know, there's just a compliment your way. I just think you're, you've done the character development really, really well. 
Got to say, I'm glad that this is a podcast and not a video because I might be getting a little teary over here. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, man. I'll, I'll be doing a review soon enough. Um, what was I going to say before as well? Um, I don't want to chat on it too long just because I actually am planning to do a separate discussion video on this. Um, but have you heard about the recent, let's call it a controversy, about Goodreads and the authors versus reviewers debate? Ooh, um, I've probably heard some like tertiary chatter on it, but mm-hmm. I don't think I've actually heard the actual reasoning behind it. What can you share with me? All right. Um, well, to dot point it again, just because I'll be doing a full video on it. Um, basically, what's happened is, and I think it's been an issue for quite a while, but this has kind of sparked it. Uh, there was an author, and I. They've deleted all that. They've deleted the petition now, so I'm not even sure if it was a big author. But there was an author who started a change.org petition to change the policies around how people review books because I imagine this author was getting a lot of negative reviews. And I think a lot of the reviews were from people who didn't even read the book, which obviously is frustrating uh, from an author standpoint. Absolutely. But the some of the process changes that apparently were on this petition. I can't say definitely because I didn't see it, but um, what I read was on this petition were some things like um, you can't just leave a star rating, like you have to give a reason as to why you're giving it that star rating. And if you haven't read the book, you're uh, barred from uh, leaving a review, which is something I, I don't understand how they could police that anyway. But there was this all these really authoritarian kind of policies they were talking about. And obviously this sparked a lot of kind of anger from the reviewer side of things. And it's just turned into this whole kind of, I won't say war because the authors aren't really engaging as much, but a lot of the people on, on Twitter, if you'll believe that controversy on Twitter, what? Um, a lot of the people, on, <laughs> a lot of the people on Twitter, uh, yeah, just flipping the biscuit over the whole petition thing. And, one thing I noticed is people have started saying uh, Goodreads is for reviewers, not for authors. And that's something I want to discuss in a video because as ridiculous as I think that petition is, and I definitely don't think Goodreads needs to change to favor authors any more than it already does. Mm-hmm. I think um, doing that kind of excluding behavior and saying this is ours and not yours and you're lucky to be on here to, you know, quite literally half of the platform uh, for Goodreads oh. is just really, really not cool. Like that's, that's the way I'll put it for now. I'll say not cool because Goodreads is for authors. It absolutely is. It might not have been when it started, um, but at this point it's developed into something that is not just functional and beneficial for reviewers, but I mean- for authors too. That makes a lot of sense. And I would love to, um, I'm probably going to do a little bit of digging into this as well, because this is really interesting. Um, I'm probably going to be one of the first people to watch this video when you post it too. Um, I, th- I think that you're in the right area there um, because authors aren't just authors. Authors are readers, they're reviewers. So anytime that you pull up this kind of exclusory behavior, you're creating this almost us versus them kind of thing. And that just does nothing but stir up negativity and cause people to start attacking one another, which is never beneficial. Um, Perhaps starting a genuine conversation is where things should go. Like, hey, guys, um, leaving just a star rating 
it's sometimes confusing. Why didn't you like it? Uh, I honestly think that as far as reasons go, DNF, perfect reason. I could not finish this book. You don't even need to explain why. I just, I couldn't finish it. Um, five stars. Everything about this book is exactly what I needed when I read it. A perfect reason. But just random one star, no explanation could be someone could always lead someone to think, well, maybe this person just wants to make this book look bad or just a five-star review, review, no explanation could be, oh, this is probably just the author's friend trying to help them get a higher rating. So yeah. because I'm always a little bit um, finicky on without facts, but I can totally understand why some people would definitely still want to just give a rating because I've probably left just a rating on a book on Goodreads so I can actually point out that I've read it that year and add it to my Goodreads goal so I don't forget that I read it. Yeah, and some people, you know, just aren't comfortable going into the specifics of why they didn't or did like a book. And I'm cool with that. I get how frustrating it can be when, um, you know, you get a review from someone who maybe hasn't read your book or all this stuff that would be frustrating this author. And to be honest, I, I think that's not something the author should be concerned about so much. I mean, like, it will be frustrating, but to try and uh, combat that is you just can't do that because people have the freedom of doing that as much as it sucks. People have that freedom. And I think another one of the reasons that this sparks such a big debate um, or war at the moment is because uh, I think there was an instance of an author going after negative reviewers on Goodreads, like message messaging them and um, giving them some kind of abuse, which is obviously a dickweed move. Like that's, that's a shit move. Um, but really to is. say that, yeah, but to say that Goodreads is for readers and not writers, uh, like you said, it's just it's excluding and it's steering away from the appropriate way to deal with problems, which is a conversation, rather than you know those tweets you see where it's just a short sentence, militantly chanted over and over in one tweet. It's I've just seen so many tweets like Goodreads is for is not for authors. Goodreads is not for authors. Goodreads is not for authors. Yeah. Like ten times in one tweet, <clears throat> all in caps. And it's that's just not an appropriate uh adult way to deal with something, you know? I completely agree. And um I'm a big believer in no matter how many times you're gonna say a thing that is an opinion, you can't keep stating an opinion over and over again and then it just become a fact. It it's something that always uh I don't want to say irks me or anything like that, but it's definitely something that I always find to be um, an unnecessary distraction because you, you've you seen how, how many hundreds of these tweets and that's really what's going to be at the forefront of your mind when you think about this, not people actually trying to build up on this and have that kind of conversation where it could be a beneficial experience for all involved. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um if I was to summarize it anyway, I think I would say I, if anything, I side with the reviewer kind of thing in saying that authors don't have the right to chase people down for negative reviews and all this kind of stuff. I agree with them on that Absolutely. front, but how they're approaching the problem, I think is it's not a it's just not cool. Like I said before, it's not cool because at the very least, they should try and from the reviewer side and obviously. You and I, like you said, a lot of writers are readers, so we've got our feet in both camps. But a lot of the uh, reviewers, I think, should maybe just try and see why an author would be so frustrated or 
sad enough to create a petition like this because it's it's your passion. And when you see your passion torn to shreds from someone who's claiming they haven't even read the book, obviously it's it's like someone, you know, spitting in your face and it sucks. Really? It really sucks. So maybe just try and show some understanding to that rather than just being like, hey, man, Goodreads is ours, not yours. You're lucky you're even there. I guess mm-hmm. it's just not an appropriate way. But anyway, I'll, I'll save the rest of my opinions on that for the video because <laughs> I have a lot of them. Um, I look forward to seeing that. I'll definitely, have a, I'll definitely have some things to say or to share with you on that uh, comment section as well. <laughs> No, it's cool. I think it would be good if we could get a dialogue going. If people are making videos about it, that sort of thing, it would be interesting to. That's kind of how you get these things sorted out on BookTube, which is sad in a way, but really? people make discussion videos and chat about it in the comments, and then it blows over. Um, yeah, back to mm. self-publishing. Um, pricing is another thing I wanted to mention really quickly. Is as far as Create Space goes, I was blown away with the pricing. Um, I think it worked out to being about five bucks a book when I bought back my um my own book in bulk to sell myself. Yeah, it worked out to be about five bucks a book, which you can easily upsell. Um, you know, if it's a decent sized novel, two hundred uh, pages plus. How did you find the pricing as far as create space goes, or self publishing, I should say, as a whole? Um, overall, I think it was pretty standard. Um. I personally don't sell the books myself. I have that all done through Amazon. So that way they could just print on demand. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the book itself, uh, paperback is listed at $7.99 US dollars. And they'll then out of all of that take, I think that I think they take 25 or 35%. And then from my cut, they charge me for the printing, which is like, 450 which isn't bad at all um yeah that's really good so i i of course because the the point of this series is not for me to be some super wealthy uh indie author the point of this is because i love this story and i want it to be out there uh, it definitely made it a lot more flexible for me to make it a reasonable purchase for other people it let me bring the price down as much as i absolutely could and then even f- furthermore on the ebook I was able to make it as cheap as absolutely possible um, and still make it easily accessible for other people. Mm. What was the uh, part of self-publishing that you think you might have spent the most on? Because I, I might hazard a guess towards the cover, but I'm not too sure because I only say that, <clears throat> sorry, because the cover is uh, really good. I can honestly say it's kind of like a nightmarish, obviously over a podcast, there's no way for me to show people, but <laughs> if you look up the demon in the trees, you'll see it's, it's a really cool kind of uh, flat color palette, nightmarish. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. That's just the only way I can really put it. it. It fits the theme of the story really well. I feel. I was actually really fortunate with the cover. Um, the young woman that I ended up communicating with, um, I don't know if I could say her name here. I don't know if she'd be okay with that, but she is an exceptionally talented graphic designer. She is freelance and she did the entire cover design for like 80 us dollars. Um, and she was so incredibly, so incredibly professional. She was quick to get back at back to me. Um, 
she, I gave her a brief description of what I was expecting. She said, Hey, these are things that I'm trying to do with it. Do, what do you like? Uh, I gave, I went with option one, two or three. She said, okay, we'll run with this. And then she came back with the final cover and on the uploading the actual cover image, which was really interesting. Um, whenever I got a kickback saying, Hey, uh, it's not accepting the cover for some reason within about 30 minutes, she was like, okay, try, try this resize and just absolutely incredible. So for cover, I went with a freelance graphic designer and she was perhaps the most gracious gift I ever could have asked for, for that process. But um, the longest thing that it took for me to actually do for this book was I had written the book in third person, mm -hmm. the first draft. And so going back and rewriting it in the perspective that it is now was painstaking. It took me uh, about six months to get the voice correct in the secondary draft because I kept on realizing I'm going back to the original style. So um, the rewrite, the first rewrite uh, took me the longest out of everything. I can imagine uh, changing a book from, you know, uh, third person to first person. That's not really just like going back and switching out a few words. I imagine you had to quite literally rewrite the entire thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can't even imagine that that would not have been fun. Um, editing it, it itself is a, a weird, fickle beast because I find myself looking forward to doing it, but I hate doing it, if that makes any sense. I think the reason I look forward to doing it is because I know that I've actually fucking finished the story. That's probably the only reason. And then, and then I get to the editing and I'm like, oh, that's right. Editing sucks. I completely agree. Um, knowing that you finished the book, like I, I have the first draft of the second book done, but it has the same problem. It is in third person and I need to put it in first. And it's just grueling. I think I'm like halfway through it while still working on other manuscripts. It's just good Lord. Why but did you start writing it in uh, third person again? Did you already start it in third person before you changed the other one, the first person? I did. Oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. I, th I thought you decided to switch it up again. I was going to say, come on, Ben, you're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I had written it in third person um, while I was actually waiting for some professional critiques. Um, I had won a giveaway by the spectacular Kim Chance where she was um, offering like a 10-page critique. And so, of course, she was flooded with responses so I was waiting to hear back from her to hear what she wanted. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'll start the next book and continued it in third person. And then I got all a ton of amazing ideas from her. She was an absolute sweetheart to work with. I swear the woman is a real life Disney princess. <laughs> but um, that's where I got the idea to change it from third to first, because I think that she actually did the same thing with her book, wrote it in third and then switched to first, which she said was an amazing idea for her piece. And I figured, you know what, something about this isn't working right. I guess I'll try it too. And it was the correct piece of advice that I needed to follow. Right. Yeah. I've, I've never had really the ability to write in first person. It's, it's always been a preference for me to go third person, but I think that's just because my style of writing is very, um, more action based than thought and dialogue based. Like, um, the fight scenes, that sort of thing are one of the funnest things for me. And I can't imagine writing the fight scenes that I do, 
in first person. It just wouldn't work. Like it involves everyone that's there. It involves a lot of movement and it's not the type of thing a character would be describing while they're doing it, you know? Um, Absolutely. Like um, I realized in the first draft of the second one that I do have a lot more fight scenes because things start to get real rowdy real quick. And that's part of the reason why it's taking so long. I'm like, this is a lot of information, but how do I make it so that way the reader knows that the character can see all of this? So I'm going to have to take a lot of it out and then just kind of explain that while one person's handling one opponent, there's more fighting in the background because they could hear like a breaking chair or something. Yeah. Yeah. See that that's the thing. It's, um, it's a very hard thing to manage um, when you're doing first person, but I'm excited to hear that the second book starts off with some action. That's always one of my favorite things when I'm reading a book is when it starts off quick, mellows out a bit and then builds up towards that uh, again. And the first book, not that it was a problem because it, like I said before, it's more of a mystery thing and it's not really in a mystery book's nature to be full throttle. But um, in the first book, I noticed it was more about building tension rather than uh, building tension quickly, having a little event, building tension again, having a little event. It was more about, um, in your first book, it was more about building tension over a kind of long period, at least for the first part of the book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so last thing I want to discuss on self-publishing before we wrap up today is um, going forward, do you have any, I suppose, future plans with self-publishing? I mean, obviously you said you're writing more books, but um, obviously it seems like you, you feel pretty good about the choosing the option of self-publishing. So do you think you'll keep going the way you're going now exactly the same or do you think you might work towards getting traditionally published or what's your plans? Um, I do absolutely plan on having the Robert Michael series be completely done through self-publishing because of the way that the story needs to develop. But I think all three of my current works in progress are intended for traditionally publishing. But that, even with that going on, I have other ideas just rolling around in the back of my head where I know traditionally publishing isn't the right seat for it. So I'll probably look at independent publishing again just to make sure that the story gets told in the way that I feel it needs to. Yeah, So I, I think I'm going to be in both camps on that one after a while. <laughs> I definitely see the appeal of uh, traditional publishing, but to be honest, I just I don't have any desire for it. I mean... It sounds like a douchey thing that some people just say for the hell of it, but I genuinely don't have much of a desire for big fame or big money from writing. I mean, it would be nice, don't get me wrong, but that's not really what I'm working towards. Uh, What I want is to just have not necessarily a large fan base, but a dedicated fan base. That's what I'm aiming for, and I think it's entirely achievable through self-publishing. So... I'd much rather just have my own creative control. I mean, end of the day, I'll be honest, if a traditional publisher came up to me and they were like, hey, man, we want to publish your book, obviously I'd say yes. Um, I can't think of many self-published authors who aren't already successful that would turn that down. But I'm. let's just say I'm satisfied sticking with self-publishing for the time being. And I think that you are absolutely correct. Um, I think that a dedicated, quote-unquote, fan base is a much more desirable thing than just a large one. Um, I do know that from my personal experience and things that I have noticed, though this doesn't necessarily mean it's exactly how it is, uh, the larger fan bases that are in 
um, traditionally published quote unquote fandoms tend to be a little bit more fleeting, but for these independent, <clears throat> excuse me, independent publishings and, um, just the lesser, even some lesser known traditionally publishers, uh, you have a diehard, small knit group of people that absolutely love the story, the lore and the world. And I think that that is a big draw of indie publishing is that, uh, if you are dedicated to yourself, your characters and your story that will eventually follow because if you care that much about everything that you put into the book there's no way that people won't take that back out of it when they read it yeah see i love that i love the idea of having a um not exclusively small but a dedicated group of uh people who would just see one of my all-time drink hold on i'm just gonna put that on silent <laughs> clara is actually messaging me um but yeah, one of my all-time dreams as an author, one of the things I, I want to achieve before I die to get morbid for a moment, but is to have someone who is dedicated and artistically talented enough to make fan art of my characters. You know how you see some people who read books yes. and they love them so much that they draw the char- their interpretation of the characters. <clears throat> one of my dreams is to be uh, the author that, gets uh, is on the receiving end of that i just think it would be magical and i can tell that you that happened to me i would be printing them out and hanging them all over my freaking apartment all over my absolutely. absolutely i'd be doing the same thing um i was joking around with my sister um like two months after i had first put the book up on amazon and she said so what are you gonna do if you like or just stumbling around online and you find fanfic of your book, my immediate response is to fucking read it. Duh. <laughs> no fucking doubt, man. I would, I would probably jump in on that. Like do my own little fanfic on my own fic on maybe a fanfic <laughs> on their fanfic. I'll work. Yeah. I think that- what would be fun would be if someone did a fan fiction before you completed your series and kind of, working some of their ideas into your story and obviously crediting them, not just nicking their stuff. But um, yeah, I I feel like that would be a fun little kind of Easter egg for them. Absolutely. Like um, one of the things I'm currently working on with a, my big work in progress. uh, um, It's a bit of an examination of relationships you developed online and in person. And so of course the majority of my online um, connection experience comes from booktube. So there's a lot of little Easter eggs uh, about booktube and just online culture and experiences. So having that happen for your own work and then also including the people that have supported you so much like that, I'm sure that would just be immensely um, a just huge creative conglomeration and just a huge blast for everyone involved. I just said like seven $3 words. I don't know what the hell I actually just said. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree though. It's always kind of, uh, it's always fun to see. uh, And I don't, I don't feel it's selfish to want to see aspects of yourself and your stuff involved in other people's work or like shout outs to you or to find Easter eggs of something you're involved in. Let's say booktube in something like books. Uh, It's just, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing really more fun than feeling like you're being represented in some way. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you're going to do something, you might as well go all in and really try for it. So seeing your effort kind of uh, 
affecting other people in a positive way and seeing that is only a positive in my opinion. So seeing those little shout outs and those little Easter eggs is just a, for what I'm doing with this one, I can't say for all of them is kind of a thank you. Like uh, I really appreciate all the effort that people put into their videos and making the community and writing and these stories so incredible. So seeing those Easter eggs is just a way of showing that appreciation. I think. I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, well, well, I think we'll call it there um, because we've gone a bit over time, but that's that's cool. I had a lot, actually, had a lot of fun discussing all this stuff. We veered off self-publishing a fair bit, I think, for the most part. We talked about everything other than self-publishing, but I, I think we still did a good job. Um, pat on the back. But um, yeah, thanks, thanks again for joining me today, Ben. It was a lot of fun um, to finally have a guest on. It's I can always say now that you were my first guest, so. That's something special, but um, is there any last things you want to add? Maybe a tip for people that might want to be self-publishing or anything like that? Um, once you've got the story idea, once you have all the self-publishing information in front of you, uh, the only thing that will stop you is you. So one thing that some people don't mention is that you always have the option up until you click submit to back out. So work hard, put your entire self into the story. And when you do finally click submit, you're going to feel a wave of relief that will make all of the effort worth it. So just make sure that you put your best foot forward and you will be well rewarded uh, in when the time comes. That's deep. I like that. <laughs> That's good. I was just going to say, um, do your research on formatting, but doesn't feel <laughs> like a very good tip now. Um, but no, th thanks again for joining me, Ben. You can find Ben's the link to Ben's stuff below, no matter where you're listening to this on, unless it's on the podcast app, because I have no idea how to work that thing as it is. But if it's on YouTube or SoundCloud, you'll find links to his YouTube slash booktube channel, where he makes uh, great videos about reading and writing. And you'll find the link to his book, which again, I'm uh, on the cusp of doing an official review for because I'm way behind on my Goodreads stuff. But it is good. I can honestly say that. Obviously, there's a there's a bias there either way, but um, maybe you can trust me enough to say it, it is definitely worth the read. Um, thanks again, Ben, and thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a nice day. Bye.